0: Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
1: Okay, let's get into
2: it. The Luminaries is back at Housing Works Bookstore Cafe for another live edition. On Thursday, September 5th, join me for Drag and the Future, featuring the absolute future of drag, Charlene, Harajuku, and West Dakota. If you don't know these three, trust me, they're of the best living performers on this plane of reality right now. We're going to talk about their work and how they're changing the institution of drag. So I'll see you there, Thursday, September 5th at Housing Works. Oh, and did I mention it's free? Okay, moi. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. After breaking out as an actor in the off Broadway play Afterglow, Pat Riley has gone rogue as a writer and vocalist in the pop music arena. He's also launched the new queer artistic community, The Collective. Hot on the heels of his new single, Hazy, Riley stops by to discuss his creative process and the meditative power of pop music. Stick around after the interview for an exclusive preview of Riley's new single, EMA.
1: This part, I know you found someone else, but I really need to help. I've been crying so much less-
2: the luminaries and congratulations on your first three singles I'm so happy you're
1: here
3: oh thank you so much dear I'm so <laughs> happy to be here honestly I um I've been listening and I just find it to be so interesting to learn about people in a different way than you do when you're just sort of like ingesting their work you know I think it's so important to have things like this where you're just like let's talk let's see what what is, like, making somebody do what they're doing.
2: Yes, and with you, um, there's been such a surge, and you've been on quite a roll, so yeah. I have so many questions, so I'm happy you're
1: here. Go, go, yeah, but go, go off. off.
2: So we are hot on the heels of the release of Hazy, which is your yes. third single. Yes, it is. And it's, it really packs a punch because, first of all, it's very fucking catchy, but like <laughs> all of your other songs, there is this, like it does kind of cut hard and some of the Mm. lyrics Mm -hmm. are like, Ooh, there's, there's this sense. I've been thinking about this with a lot of your songs. Mm. um, And maybe this is me projecting. There's this sense of bottoms revenge, Uh, which is like (laughs) this person who's been kind of seen a certain way or undervalued either socially or in relationships being like, no, I've been paying attention the whole time and kind of, fuck you. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I, yes. I think that I feel like, I think my whole life I've always felt a little, I, I definitely deal with this. This is something I'm, I'm working on, but like, I've always felt like my, the perception of me is that I'm a weak person and mm-hmm. that is also self-inflicted. Like Same. I somehow along the road pick that up. So Same. I think in my music, I try a lot of times to like flesh that out and like, re-examine who I am to myself, and I think the best way to see who you are is like through somebody else, so that's why I think you know you use your relationships, you use the real life things that are happening to you to put into your music because that's how you can reflect back like who you are, yeah, you know, and I think that I love this this description of like a <laughs> bottom's revenge because i I think I know. How powerful I can be, and I know how powerful I am as a person. Yes, but w- we're all fitting into these weird sort of like stereotypes and socializations in our own relationships that confuse us. I think, and so I think you're onto something with that. I honestly, I think that phrasing is a really nice way <laughs> of putting it.
2: I mean, I that's what I relate to, but and also with um, your other hopefully soon to be released singles, uh, EMA and Adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, There is this—I really relate to it because there's this sense of, like, every man I've ever been with has underestimated me. Mm -hmm. And I think every man I've ever been with doesn't realize that I have the power to destroy them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when I hear—like, with Hazy, there's this sense of, like— confusion and jealousy well actually could you describe yeah when you were writing hazy what was what you were going through what it's kind of based off of
3: absolutely yeah i um it's an interesting uh, i'm kind of jumping into music at at a, at a much later point in my life than i think most musicians do but so it's been really cool to think about the different ways that you approach a song, and I thought it was like, okay, well, if I can't play an instrument, then I'm fucked. Like, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to do this. Right. And um, so then I just basically was like asking around and figured out there's other ways to do it. And so um, it's been different for each song, but Hazy was uh, something where I will like, I like to like search for samples of sounds and like um, beats and all that sort of stuff. And there's like places you can find them, people can send them to you and whatever. And I found this one, um, the song has a kind of like, like twinkly vibe, almost like to me, it sounds very like mystical and like pink and purple. Mm -hmm. And I was really like struck by that because it felt like it did something to my body. And so I knew that that was what I wanted. And I was like, okay, what does this mean? Like, is this... This feels imaginative. It feels fantastical. But how do I... What's the story there? And so basically working through it, it's sort of just... I found myself... At the end of the song, there's sort of this, like, prolonged outro moment that sort of really kind of, I think, says everything that, like, kind of hurts the most, you know? Um, And... That was what I wrote first, and it kind of got me to this place of being like, you cheated on me, and like, that's what happened, you know, and... um...
2: And now, there's this, you cheated on me and that's what happened, but that comes at the end of this whole song about like, how this person is with someone else, and uh, I think, and posting about it very publicly, and we all kind of have to pretend that everything's normal, Um, and it builds up to the end of the song of you being like... Okay, but wait a minute. Here's the actual T. Yeah. I know the truth. Yeah. You know
3: exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of it's in my head. Even it's like there's a, a, a there's a lyric that is like you know I'm seeing you reply to this person, and like mm-hmm. I'm seeing you seeing my stuff, but you're not responding, and then you're replying to this person, and then all of a sudden it all clicks, and it was like that moment in my life was shitty, and so I found that I. What I thought was interesting was, like, sort of my natural reaction to the song, which was take this sort of, like, fantastical thing that we usually see with happiness and, like, uh, um, you know, like a princess story that sort of, like, turns into the good thing happens and kind of juxtapose it with sort of this, like, hard-hitting, like, extreme depression and, like, sadness that feels, like, violent in a way. So... That was the most fun part for me, actually, was sort of figuring out what is this chorus. And I was working with, you know, my writing partner, Tori, while we were recording it. And she kind of came up with the, like, I'm crying. And, like, that was – I was like, that feels right to me because that is what happens. But also, I cry a lot as a person. And I think – Bringing that into music is, and not being so necessarily metaphorical all the time is important. So, yeah, I, I think I try to do that as much as possible, but sometimes you can't.
1: <laughs> there
2: was, we were just in Fire Island together triumphantly, and uh, I told you that I had just yes. basically like come out of this fuck boy psychological terrorism where. I realized that the other person was playing a very big game, oh, like yes. a large, oh,
3: yeah,
2: a you large, I mean? huge, like Game of Thrones kind of Machiavellian game, yes. and that I was a small, small piece in it. And I was in some; it was crushing because I was just like, "What did I just put myself through?" But it mm. was also there. There was this vindication because I was like, "Oh, I see who you are, and I know who you are now, and I know what you're doing." Yeah, and these songs really give give me that back, that sense of, like, yes, I'm kind of the victim, and yes, mm. I'm the vulnerable
3: vulnerable one, yeah. but
2: I'm also, I now have this power, which is, like, I'm the one who's going to be at least speaking the truth about it. Exactly.
3: Yeah, I think that that's, like, spot on, and I hadn't even really thought of it that way <laughs> in my own head, but I do think that I go through that a lot, of feeling, like, a bit of, like, vindication is that the right word yeah yeah. like and wanting a sense of like revenge within myself like of being like no 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 no. like do not do not like fall under like you can pull up and like walk on the ground and like own your space and and know who you are (laughs) yeah so that's obviously where i'm at in my life right now
1: (laughs) so
2: yeah i want to Well, I want to talk about Adorable and EMA, and then I think we can zoom out a little. But while we're here, um, I've been completely consumed by these two songs, which I also do think fit into the Bottoms Revenge Um,
3: theme. uh, 100%. 100%.
2: (laughs) Because Adorable (laughs) is kind of about... like, don't treat me like I'm a child. Yeah. It's about being in, like, a relationship with someone and being like, okay, wait a minute. Like, I'm not, like, a little baby. Don't... Pa-. Right? I mean, that's yes. kind of what I get from
1: Absolutely.
3: it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
2: there's, like, this pain in it, um, but it's such a beautiful song.
3: Yeah. It it feels... it, it You know, I think when you're in a relationship, sometimes you have like expectations of how a conversation should go, which is like your thing. That's your own baggage. But I think a lot of times you find yourself being like, I really didn't want you to say that at this (laughs) moment. I needed you to say something else. And like, so the word adorable came up to me because it just sort of feels like it's so like condescending, Uh. you know? And like, it, it does come from a place of, like, feeling maybe genuine if the person is saying it. But at the same time, it's like, you don't understand, like, what that means to me right. as the receiver of that word. Right. Um, yes. So that's sort of what that song is about. It's just, like, being like, I'm irritated by your responses in, like, a moment of need. I want
2: to ask about... Yeah. Um, look, obviously you know, we are two white gays, so I understand that we have yeah. we don't have as much to complain about, but yeah. in, in one respect, I I assume you and I have had a similar experience, which is like, I look very young,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I come off as feminine,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: come off as, like, very sweet, and I, in the past, have been a little codependent or subservient, and people take advantage of that, and people treat me a certain way, mm-hmm. and people often treat me like I'm a baby, when mm-hmm. I'm in the case of most men I've been with, age regardless, I'm usually more intelligent than they are. Let's just say that. Sure. And I kind of, with these songs, I got that vibe. And I'm just curious, like, has that been an experience for you?
3: Yeah, okay. absolutely. I think I have always felt very confident in my emotional intelligence. I've always been like, that's something I knew that I have had since I was a kid. Yeah. and people always have been like, you have this thing. And like, that I think is like your gold. So I've always felt confident in that. But I think where I get confused in life is the learning of like kindness is like the the way that we must be as people and like being kind to people and not like throwing a fit and not being too outspoken. And yeah. that just like... I don't know, I think I definitely learned it a little bit from my parents because they, you know, are just two people who, like, grew up in a world where you didn't speak out, you just were kind, and, like, you made right. sure that everyone felt fine in the moment. So I think I just have that, and that sometimes makes me feel like people are just going to assume there's a bit of... of ground to walk over, you know, like, like he's not going to like throw something across the table because he's nice and like, he can make it easy, you know? Yeah. Um, but it does sometimes make me feel not seen for sure, you know? Um, but, but having this sort of like internal knowledge makes it feel painful because you're like, I don't know if people see me the way I know that I am. Right. You know.
2: And there's the thing you were saying about like a lot of it self-inflicted, which means then some people will see you the way you know you are and then you'll reject it because you're like, no no no, I've actually taken on a new narrative mm-hmm. where I'm I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my mm-hmm. case. And mm-hmm. then you have to like reverse engineer your way out of that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're constantly getting ourselves into a mess, I think. <laughs> Because that's true. I mean, I have so many friends who believe in me and people that are like, right. you have this thing and I'm I'm so excited for you. You being one of them, a hundred percent. And then my gut reaction is to recoil and be like, no, 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 no. Like, oh, like I have to spend three days getting through that emotional like heap or, you know.
1: I'm so getting a little weird.
2: teary-eyed thinking because, um, and not, not to... You know, because I think you were fine, but when we were in Fire Island, it was Mm -hmm. five gay boys in a hot tub, (laughs) and you mentioned that you had a new song, um called EMA, that you didn't know what you were going to do with it. And Zach Teague was like, you have to play it now. We're in a hot tub in Fire Island. You have to play the song. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you weren't saying that it was bad or anything like that, but you were just like, I don't really know where I am with this or what I'm doing with it. Yeah. And then you played it, and we were all like oh, my God, oh, my God, this is historic. This song is incredible. I, I was like, I can't wait to write this in my memoirs, like, uh, that I heard the song in the hot tub. But, yeah, it was one of those moments where you were just like, oh, okay, this is very – like, it seemed like you hadn't let yourself be as excited, at least publicly, about
3: it yet. Exactly. Well, you know, it's like I'm s- – there's so much going on in your head when you're sort of, like, at the helm of a creative project. You're yes. like, well, what is it? look like how does it sound what what are people going to think like does it need to like how is it cohesive and how is it clear and that's like a thing in like artistry that I'm always thinking about is like the clarity <laughs> so wow. I'm wow. thinking in my head a little bit like you know I recorded that I recorded EMA so long ago it was like one of the first things I recorded and I was like I love this but I just don't know what I'm doing yet as a musician and like as a recording artist like what this means for me <laughs> So I took some time away from it and did these other songs. I did Flip and, and Hazy, and um, I'm continuing to do more stuff that's going to come out later that I think feels like right up my alley as like a person every day. But then you have yes. these moments in life where you feel – different than you are every day and ema is one of those songs because it's a total revenge song it's about (laughs) inflicting pain on someone who has hurt you and you're just like tough like i am the king i'm wearing the crown and you can fuck off like actually literally what's the lyrics Now,
2: now i exact my revenge
3: um, in the chorus, or
2: you have? I no, I think it's like
3: leading to the bridge, where you're like, now I will exact my revenge. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, going through it, I, I don't.
2: And then in the chorus, yeah, there is like. The, yeah, a it's based. I mean, I have the dick. Yes, yes, I'm the
3: one with the dick, not you. You have all this like talk that you like yes. spout, but like I'm not <laughs> here for that. You know, there's literally like a moment in the song where I'm like, the the, the idea behind it is like a kid on his throne. I, honestly, honestly, inspired by Joffrey. <laughs> in Game of Thrones (laughs) because I was just thinking about that and I had this like horrible dream that was I was telling you about like it was like the end of the world and I was watching everybody kill themselves but like I was far away and Mm. I was like above them and I was like this is crazy I've never had a dream like this before but it feels like it is subconscious speaking and it was about my past relationship that I was in that was just horrendous and like was so dark and horrible Mm. and I was like Let's combine these two things. Let's like put them in the same boat and see what that feels like. And then I just had a vision of like one of the lyrics in the chorus is like a kid on top of his throne. That's what right. it is. And so, like, being a child, being vengeful, being like base and like just leaning into that horridness yes. of humanity. <laughs> But having power at the same time, you know, like, that's such a, like, a sick dream of everyone's, I think, which is why I think the song might be super relatable because it's like, sometimes people just want to, like, have, like, hatred and, like, violence, like, in their body. I don't condone that outside of, like... But if we put it in, like, the Bottoms Revenge
1: uh, uh,
2: structure, like, I think for people who have been gaslit or gaslight themselves into thinking that they're lesser or smaller than, it does correct an imbalance once in a while to be like, no, fuck you, I'm burning everything down, let me be exactly wrathful, let me feel things I never allowed myself to feel.
3: Yeah, and honestly, like, it. sometimes it's, like, meditative to me to listen to it because yes, a great way to, like, su- supersede, a, like, a negative feeling is to admit it and, like, Honestly, give yourself some time away to, like, have a tantrum. And that's, like, sort yes. of what the song was for me. <laughs> it was, like, just, like, get it out. I need to, like, meditate on this.
2: But you're saying that the song, a song like that is kind of in this, like, fantasy world while some of your other songs are more in, like, a subtle, relatable yes. you space.
3: Exactly. So, exactly. I,
2: so it's harder for you to maybe access it, like, on a regular basis.
3: And that's where I think my, like, you know, indecision about it came I through. It was, like... You know, does it – I don't know. Like, if I'm not this always, can I present, you know, my artistry as that? I don't know. But I'm going to because it feels like the other answer is, like, hiding something that I like. And that – And that's worse. That,
2: and also, like, we really responded to it. We the gays of the hot Oh tub my god! Really, yeah. And
3: I've listened to it about
2: 50 times since <laughs> good, fire. Good, <laughs> good. I'm, I'm in love with that. But, yeah, no, I, I understand that thing of, like – when you write something, and then a week later you're like, "Is that even me anymore?"
3: Oh yeah, absolutely,
2: <laughs> and that must be so complicated with music because you know I think yeah. like with comedy with um with com with, with most other forms of performance, you can kind of like evolve something as it goes. And with with live music, certainly, but, like, I, I, I do understand that finality of writing a book or recording a song and being, like, this is a marker in time that I'm going to have to return
3: to. And I'm going to have to just be proud of it. Yeah, That's what I that's... have to, like, keep telling myself is, like, just be proud and like, what you've done. You can't, like, because I hear every song that is, like, out. Well, I have two songs out now, but, like, both of them, when I hear it back, I'm, like, oh, fuck, like, I forgot. That I should do this thing. Or like, fuck, that could have sounded a little bit differently. But you know what? There's literally nothing to do. That's
2: one of the hardest lessons in my life. Yeah. Because I truly am like... Let's disregard that thing that I did 6 months ago. That wasn't the real me. That that doesn't count. This now is the this is like the official record and yeah. it's like, "Okay, well, now I have a decade of lost work basically because I kept being like, "No, this is voided. This this doesn't count. I I'm now the real me." It's like, "No. It, it, what you're doing is building a real body of work by being like, "No, I'm proud of it all and this is all consistent even if you Pat Riley are evolving. The music has to come with you you have to have a trajectory you have to have a a somewhere you started
1: exactly and you're right
2: you do have to be proud of that which is very hard
1: yeah
3: yeah (laughs) i've been working a little bit on like um i mean i'm very into like a meditative practice every morning and i think we've talked about this a lot but like i've been working on doing (laughs) like one affirmations which sound which sound like extremely cheesy but they actually literally change your like your patterns in your brain and then the other thing is just like having compassion for Myself today, myself yesterday, and myself tomorrow, you know? And, like, just being, like, the person in the past, I have to just, like, have compassion for that person because that person was so mean to themselves that day and the day before and the next day and all that sort of stuff. And, like, I'm choosing to change that now. And so that has to go along with all of your creative endeavors. It's, like, the person I was yesterday or the person I was last week when I did this performance... Love him. Love (laughs) who he is. And, like, we love what happened. We loved that little flub. Yeah. We loved that they said the wrong thing. You know? Like, I just think it's better you have to do it. Otherwise, you're
2: neurotic. And I'm thinking maybe, like the way that I need to think about it because I'll look back and I'll be like, God, I humiliated myself. I didn't know anything that I know now. What was I thinking? And a part of me needs to be like, oh, so I was twice as brave then because I was really going out and taking a risk with so much less at my
3: disposal. That's a really good way of thinking of it. I have to do that because
2: otherwise I'm just like, oh,
3: God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. This show is supported by State Farm.
2: talk a little bit about um because it seems like each of these songs you've had such an interesting songwriting process and you know with EMA that you would wake up from a dream and just write it down I'm just wondering like if there was anything else that you needed to kind of clear out of your way psychically that would allow for like a more you know because it seems like these songs are coming in and you're just like taking them down and working on them and mm-hmm. i just wanted to what needed to change in your life for 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 there to be this space for these songs to come in and for you to like receive them clearly yeah get them down you know like for you mm-hmm. to be a more uh a more clear vessel i mean did you need to make any like real kind of conscious changes in your life
3: absolutely sort of i like about a year and a half ago i just kind of i had i've been an actor my whole life and right. i love acting and i I'm, I still say that I am an actor as well, but you know things in the industry change, and like you, you work sometimes and you don't other times, and like that, like pendulum swing was like really really hard for me. I yeah. didn't understand. I had I like did it. I did Afterglow. It was like an off Broadway play that lasted for a while and was like very much a show that was like you know had like a bit of like a talk about it because we were naked and, like, it was a show about having, being in a three-way relationship and it was just something that, especially when you're in Hell's Kitchen and you're around that Broadway community and, like, people are talking, you're like, this is kind of, like, fun. Like, it's very, it's filling my, like, popular girl wants of, like, being, like, amazing like people are talking about it and like they're they like know it when I speak about it or something you know and I'm I think that people love that feeling like actors love that feeling because it feels like what you're doing has worth you know so then going from that to like not having a job anymore was crazy for me and like that was really hard and so what I had to actually clear was Not that I'm giving up acting, but that there's other things that I want to do. There's a lot of other things that I want to do. And if I were just an actor for the rest of my life, I would actually be unhappy. But I had been doing it my whole life. So that was, like, basically – let's – how old was I when I – like, I was 24 or something when I had to come to that realization of, like, you have other desires as well. And if you turn – no, I wasn't 24. I was 25.
2: I think you and Ariana Grande astrologically
3: have similar – anyway, sorry. Keep going. F- just in terms sure of when how... you're Saturn square, et cetera. But
2: keep going. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah.
3: Sorry. I do actually think we are the same age. I think so. Yeah. Yes. It makes sense with my friends who like know her or something. But um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, sorry. Oh, no. Just When
2: you came to the realization at 24.
3: Yes, Exactly. There were so many more dreams that I was like quashing because I was like, Mm-mm, if I'm an actor, Ooh. I have to only be an actor. I have to be fully available. I can't I can't get a, a a day job, I can't go on vacations. I have to be here. And like when you have made that decision and something isn't happening for one day even, you're like, what do I do?
2: Why am I alive?
3: Why am I, yeah, like, I'm actually giving over to somebody else controlling what I'm doing. And that was huge for me when I just was like, fuck this. And like, let go of that. It doesn't mean that I'm not open for auditions and going in for things, but it's just, it's no longer the mental hold that I had. And so I was like, great. Now you've like, freed yourself from that. You've like, moved on from being in that holding place so time to tackle the things you want you know time to like start setting up all of your dreams and one of them was music one of them was the collective this like networking site for queer people and the other one was writing you know writing like right being a part of like creating a a narrative feature and i've been doing that with my writing partner mike roma fabulous girl love her um and like just taking on these other you know kind of vulnerable creative things that are hard and some days you're just like i don't want to fucking do it
2: but it it the it's worth it because now you have your own
3: voice exactly and that has been the most freeing thing. I didn't I I don't feel like I and I don't even know if I have this yet, but like I don't feel like I ha- as an actor I had a voice. I felt like I was really subject to just doing whatever is there on the page cuz that's what you have to do, but some actors are so skilled and so amazing at kind of like bringing their own voice to a page and those are the people that are working constantly. Right. And I'm still figuring that out, you know. But um now, with music, I feel like I'm developing that. And so, that actually is where I think the you let it come through you is like, I love this part of myself and I love that I get to do this. Wow. So, it starts to le- like let the ideas come in. Someone recently,
2: um, when I had started, okay, Pat and I. <laughs> somehow are working at the same restaurant
3: <laughs> we are we are we absolutely are um, day jobs like
2: anyways uh, the whole thing is very surreal but at the last restaurant i worked at which was horrible i was complaining about it to someone i know and they were like no uh, a waiter job will be good for you cuz it'll give you time to think and i my response was actually no i don't need to think ever again in my life like i don't i, agree. I, I, I agree. need to just be like an open clean vessel for things to come through and that's you know i poison myself too with so much thinking about what it means that i'm a writer what i can and can't do who mm. i should or shouldn't be yeah. and i was completely buried under that monolith yeah and now i just feel like all that matters is that i'm just having things go through me and i'm doing mm-hmm. and i don't really want to be that involved honestly yeah like I, consciously i just want to like be in this the right spaces and devoting the right amount of time, but I don't, like, I don't really need to have a say in it, frankly.
3: Yeah. No, no, that's a, that's a really, like, important thing I think that people have to come to understand. I think the only way for, like, any sort of creative genius that you're going to have to come through is, like, you actually just have to go from being someone and then going to being no one so that something can come through Huge. you. Because if you, as that someone, are trying to get in the way and trying to, like, tinker with it, it's fucked. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's already wrong because you have tainted it. Exactly. And so that's, that's, like, it's very meditative. I think that now music has become the most meditative thing that I have ever done in my life creatively. So, uh-huh. yeah, I think that's really, really important. And having a day job and, like, having, like, a restaurant gig, like I started the other day, like... It, it gives you the, like, itch to be busy. Yes. And then you get to leave and you're like, oh, I don't need to deal with that, like, base desire. Yes. I can now start doing the soul work, the heart work.
2: No, you're right. You know, There's less time to be, like, scratching and itching. You yes. really are just like, boom, boom, boom. I get it. Right, right. So one more thing I want to ask about Afterglow is... Um, just in terms of, yes, it was a very saucy play. It was very talked about. Um, you did nudity. And in that play too, I think you were noticeable because you were like, the character you played and the performance was extremely vulnerable where you're kind of the one who's like, and this is another position I've been in, a lot, not a lot, but where you're like, great, there's this couple, I'm the third wheel, I'm the one who's taking all the hits and the most vulnerable. But I'm I'm just curious about, did you notice the way that you were being seen or if people were putting you in any certain boxes because mm. you're young you're hot you're naked for a lot of the play um, you're kind of giving like the most soul-bearing performance like did you were people seeing you in a certain way that you didn't like or were they seeing you in a way that felt right or, or anything like that
3: I mean of course you definitely got some weird, Messages or DMs, that's for <laughs> sure. You definitely have that happen to you. But I found that I wasn't actually getting a response that I, that I wasn't comfortable with, nor that I knew I wouldn't get. Okay. You know, because Amazing. there wasn't... There, I felt very comfortable and confident in what I was giving because I felt like there was a lot of freedom with a new play to craft it and make it yours, and so i I, um, I had a really great conversation. I don't know if you know who Julie White is. She's an amazing actress. Okay. She she took over in Adult House Part Two from oh, Laurie wow. Metcalf. Wow, so fantastic. She's like she's f- very commercially known as the mom in the Transformers movie.
2: Okay, yeah. I think we talked about her. One Night in Fire Island, we had a really we, faggy oh, night where we talked about, like, theater dames for, we like, four did. hours. And we I think did. we talked about Yes, her.
3: we talked about it. Really like, she and I have, like, a very, very s- simple, like, tiny relationship where she directed me in something once. And so during that process, I was like, I just talked to her and I was like, w- you are the kind of actor I want to be. So, like, what does, like, w- how do you manage mega moments in a play? Like, yeah. what do you do? And she just said this thing that was like, you got to craft the emotional runway, babe. That's all you, that's Uh. what you have to do. And like, you have to rely on that. And that really was one of the best learning experiences I ever had because I was just like, there is no shoulds here. There is only like this, well, the story. But then if I'm thinking more on like an individual level, like there's only, for, for me, I can only think about like, me in this moment and and just being me and not like trying to feign some sort of like persona on the stage and so I felt really proud of that because I was like this is unique like not a lot of people get to do this not a lot of people get to work on like a new play and get to kind of craft and develop something. A lot of times actors go in and they have to, like, fill the shoes of someone else. And so yeah. they literally have to do what that other person did, which is confusing. And I think it's impossibly hard. And, and props to anyone who can do that really well. But um, so the responses I was getting, I was like, thank you for seeing me. And I feel like it's lining up with the way I see myself. Wow. Which is, a un- I think, not, we don't get that very often. No. So I found it to be a very empowering experience.
2: Crafting an emotional runway,
1: Mm, as
2: you've been releasing singles, have you had to craft any sort of emotional runway for what happens when these are released into the world and Mm. how you're going to respond and, you know, kind of knowing some of your better response? You know, with me, like the last live show I did the day after I wanted to kill myself Mm. and this time I'm like, okay, (laughs) we kind of know maybe how things can go with me. Sometimes I feel really triumphant after, sometimes I feel like maybe I should die. Mm. But I'm going when you said crafting an emotional runway I was like, wow, that's such an interesting way of putting it of like with these big moments in life mm. of like okay, I'm going to lay out a, a a structure for myself that I can follow so that I don't disappear or whatever. And I'm just curious as yeah. you've been releasing music like if you've been learning anything about yourself and the way you respond and, and anything like that,
3: yeah, that's actually that's a for me. It's definitely before releasing it. Yes. It's the moments before it comes out because that's where I I'm so I, I stop myself before I can even like think about something. You know, <laughs> it, it's that yes. it's that thing about like what somebody said this to me recently, like if 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 a project is, a, is 100%, the one, 1% is having the idea. The other 99% is believing in yourself. And, like, I can have so many ideas and just be like, no, I don't believe in myself. So yes. then it stops and it's, like, you know, the flame is, like, burned out. So what I have to do a lot of times before releasing this music is, one, just, like, not think about it so much, get preoccupied with something else, but then also, you know, just... I, you have to, the songs come out a month after you submit them. Wow. So you have time to like, it's really the moment that you submit it that you have to get over. Okay. You know, you have to be like, okay, I I believe in this now. It, it sounds, it sounds how I think that I want it today. I'm sure in a year I'll be like, well, this could have been different. Right, But I just have to like accept that. And I'm still learning with music. I'm still kind of understanding like what it means to me and the response per different song is always different. And and I just have to stop thinking about pleasing everybody else and instead of just pleasing myself. Because music is one of those things that your best friend could love one song and then they just don't know how to respond to you with the other one because they're like, I don't want to tell you that I love it because I'm your best friend, so I'm not going to lie to you. But at the same time, I'm not going to tell you that I hate it because I don't. It just, like, doesn't spark something in me. And that's absolutely fine. It's, yeah,
2: music is so...
3: Music is so subjective. Yes. You know, it's... It,
2: Impossibly.
3: Yeah. Which is the beauty of it. But yeah. But you just kind of have to... So I think mostly just, like, giving less fucks <laughs> is important. Amazing. And, and honestly, after the first you release one song, it all gets easier. Because you're just like, great, I'm in the game now. I'm, like, yeah. here, a part of the game... For me, it took me a year to, like, want to tell people publicly, I'm doing music. I was, like, so embarrassed by it. I was, like, ugh. Am I becoming one of those people that, like, has friends over for, like, a jam sesh? Like, that was, like, my biggest eye roll on the planet. And I was like, oh, and then pop music, it just, like, it has so much weight to it. Like, what does it mean? For me, it would be so much easier for me to, like, be in an indie band with, like, seven people and, like, make songs that sound like the Lumineers or some shit. Right. And that's just not interesting to me. So right. I had to be like, I'm never going to do that. So <laughs> what am I interested in? I'm actually – I love pop music. I love r and I love those things. So you just have to accept that you love something. And like, go with it. It does get, you're right though, it does get
2: exponentially easier. I was thinking about it like, I just, even if I look back to April when I quit my job and started doing a lot of the things I was doing,
3: Mm. it took
2: so much just emotional (laughs) recovery time and labor and like, okay, maybe I'll try this one thing. I don't know how I feel about it. So now it's like oh yeah yeah that's fine whatever who cares right and it you really just gotta like push yourself up that hill and it does get everything gets harder because you're doing more but it gets easier in terms of like the stakes maybe
3: yeah yeah i think you also realize that like people aren't thinking about you <laughs> they're just not you know like they're probably mostly like supportive most people are like yeah do your thing like that's yeah. so cool and yeah. they're not thinking about it past that moment
2: that's something i think we got from cat cohen which is like go that's
3: great yeah. you know like, i don't yeah. care oh my god cat is one of those people that i'm she was like the first person i was like oh she's literally performing every night because she's not thinking about it too much yeah she's just like going and she doesn't care if she messes up or like whatever like yeah. and why do we care so much
2: And she said to me, and I always tell this, but, like, she said to me the week when I quit my job, she was like, oh, are you so excited? And I was, we were about to walk into club coming, and I was like, "Ah, and I started with all these lists of things that could go wrong, and she was like, but you're making your dreams come true, right? And then she, like, tapped me on the shoulder and walked away, and I was just like, well, that's that, kind of. I mean, there's really nothing else that needs to be said, and after she said that, I was like, all
3: right, bitch. Like wake up enough. Yeah, Ugh, she's such a dame. She's she like should be like damed because she has that creative energy that is like un unlike uh, censored in yes. in the ways that like dames are like so wise. They're like, oh well, this is what happens.
2: You're right, and I, if you think about like Eileen Atkins or Judy Dench or uh, Maggie Smith, have they don't the give a fuck. Yeah, they have that it's like so it good. is uncensored it's where so they're
3: like. Whatever, They're like, yeah, I know. I know, yeah. so
2: I want to talk about um pop music because let's talk actually, when we were in Fire Island, you did something amazing, which was all the boys in the house were playing the new Sam Smith song, "How do You Sleep? Nonstop. Mm-hmm. And I think I may have started being like, "Um, I'm not supposed to like him, and I don't remember why. And you were like, he's great. Gay men need to fucking get over themselves. He's doing great. He can do whatever he wants. Good for him. Let him have a good body. Let him not. Let him dance. Let him not.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: I was like, oh yeah. And I really had to check myself because I don't know, maybe Sam Smith Something when he won an Oscar, gay men decided that we're not supposed to like him or there was one of those things where Twitter like kind of basically turns against someone for no reason. And it was just another classic like here's a gay man who's really trying to do something Mm
1: -hmm. and who's gotten
2: a lot of mainstream success and many gay men turn against him. I mean, if you think about how much gay men like a complete nothing like Taylor Swift versus how much they embrace someone like Sam Smith. It's shocking. And you did this really amazing thing where you were just like, no, he's doing great stuff. And, and to your credit, like you're going into that world and like gay men need to be supporting gay men. And I'm Mm -hmm. just curious about,
3: right. We did have a conversation about like gay men perceiving other gay men. Yeah. And, And in
2: terms of pop, like what are you seeing and, and What are you thinking? Uh, You know,
3: it's been quite interesting. You know, I think I think with the Sam Smith thing, I think he might have said something that was just like not true, which is when people, you know, when you say one wrong thing. Yeah.
2: He said he was the first gay person to win an Oscar. I think something like that, something like that, which is like it's it's
3: like you said a wrong thing. So like people are going to correct you. But at the same time, I'm like the vitriol. Like people can chill the fuck out. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like. Why are you so – this is my thing with, like, online culture. It's just, like, you know it's mo, it, it's showing more of who you are that you care this much about someone that's literally never heard of you. And that you are making your life about shit-talking them. And, like, this person doesn't even know who you are. And you are spending your life thinking about them.
2: Okay, I have to just
3: – You need to do something else. You have to find something else to do. My you know, mom has
2: like, I have certain family members who will go into these like personal boycotts when an artist yeah. when an artist um, either cancels a tour. If an artist cancels a tour in Israel due to BDS um, right. pressure, my mom and brother will never forgive them. Right, and my, right, right, I had to have right. a talk with my mom last weekend where I was like, Lana Del Rey doesn't know who you are and does not know that you've cut her out of your will, <laughs> yeah. first of all. And secondly, like, you need to move on because it was one thing and she was, not, whatever the stakes were, like, you can't just, like, erase a person from existence because of this one time that they disappointed you on stakes that they didn't know about. Exactly, where it's like, they don't know that they're pissing you off. So thank you for yes, saying that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's a really broad example and it just drives me crazy. But back yes. to kind of like the Sam Smith, Right, right,
3: right. Well, I think what I've noticed a lot is like, you know, it's nothing new that we don't know that like being openly gay or like being openly (laughs) go down the list like is hurts you in some way. It like hurts your prospects in a weird way. And so there are certain artists that I um, that I that I love who are openly gay. And, and who are male because I'm kind of trying to, like, look at what they're doing and and see w- how does this affect me and how do – what do I take from this moment?
1: Right.
3: Who are amazing and who are amazingly talented and have, like, this – if you just look at numbers or something it's like their streaming numbers are in this weird middle ground where it's like they're not getting like a million streams on something but yet they are like written up about in 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 articles because they're doing something different so yes. it's like something is not adding up here <laughs> and you know like um M- M- and or Eminem Eminek, yeah. yes and this artist who i love Sakima who's oh. God, he Berlin is so, yes. Yeah. He has just this really, really unique. What I love most about him is like he is so unafraid to bring sex into his music. Yes, where where I think that it's okay that that a lot of gay men have this, but like avoiding sexualness is a thing that we're taught because you know people think that gay men like molest babies or right. something like that. So or just like are they are trying to convert every straight man to being gay so then we shut it off so that we we're seen as like statues that are reliable but are not doing too much you know yes. and he does this thing that i think is so amazing and and is is growing he is growing and he's having so many like amazing things happen to him especially now he just came out with a mixtape called project peach which is so good it's really good. It's really good, um, but you you see it. You see like queer artists being in this in this like nether realm, kind of. It's like we see you and like what you're doing is really cool, but we can't like fully back it. And yeah. it's just like the way it is, you know. You see it with like queer performances. It's like you see a show that's about gay people, and it's like this is this. This is the gay show, so we can, like, spend some time here, and in a year, maybe we'll find another one. But it's, like, there's so many gay shows that are happening. There's (laughs) so many, like, queer themes that are probably cooler than that commercial thing. Yeah. But we're not allowed to see them because it's, like, showing too much.
2: The sex thing is interesting because, like, with you... You were like, well, I want to explore R&B. Like, Mm -hmm. you want to explore Aaliyah, so you want to explore sex, period. And your music is very sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And, again, it is doing something new because, like, if I think about Ali Alexander, Sakima, Mm -hmm. even Frank Ocean, and then you, there is this sense of, like, basically princehood, which is, like, I'm this... I'm in terms of societal standards. I come off as delicate in a way mm-hmm. or not uh, aggressively fitting with hyper masculinized standards. Mm-hmm. You know, you're these kind of more delicate, sensitive, vulnerable forces who are then saying, No, actually, that's my source of power, which it's- to yeah. me is Princehood. Yeah. That's like the definition. Yeah. And that is actually new and very unique. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah, that sh- we should be going to that because that's just so I'm I'm so curious about it and mm. there's so much strength there. Yeah. And it's so much more interesting than trying to copy copy what what else is being done right now.
3: Right, right. I think there's like a a tendency in music, especially popular music pu- music that has like it's like these these new sounds that we hear, like I love pop music because you get to hear a sound you've literally never heard in real life, Me which too. is what I love about this instrument we have right here, the computer, <laughs> because it's it can make a sound that you're like, what the fuck was that? And yeah. so I think that that sometimes in very commercial (laughs) heterosexual music, it's like the way people interpret that is like, I need to be hard. I need to like show like my armor versus speaking from a place that's like, I'm very vulnerable and that is my power. And like using this weird sound. So people are like, weirdly, this like electronic sound like hits my soul in a way. And then the subject matter on top of that is something that is actually real instead of saying like, You know, I don't, like, I am all good, all on my own kind of vibe. You know what I mean? I'm
2: oddly thinking, I'm getting emotional thinking about Kylie Minogue for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Because Kylie, I think a lot of her songs have that, like, I've never heard this sound before. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm thinking about Time Bomb or even Can't Get You Out of My Head where it's like, okay, this is a crazy new sound. And then it's this very sweet person being like really trying to affirm something pure like joy or love or heartbreak or romance yeah and it it re- there's nothing better and then of course you and I kind of really bonded over like Lee mm-hmm. who's like yeah always exploring new sounds yeah and if you think about her new EP which is the the remixes of so sad so sexy which I think is like the best thing I've heard
3: all year I'm yeah it's I agree. like
2: extremely vulnerable music and then extremely innovative sound.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the coolest part about what pop music is, you know, is like it, it is constantly reinventing itself. It is reinventing itself before it's even ready. (laughs) You know, like art pop was, was reinventing music (laughs) before anybody was ready. Literally. I think it came maybe two years three years too early. Yeah. Same which with is, Blackout
2: by Britney Spears.
3: It's just like, yeah, w- this came out when George Bush was president? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's really cool and like risky about pop stars and like people who make pop-leaning music, you know, is like, it's not safe. It's very unsafe. Yeah. And that's what I love about it, honestly. It's constantly challenging me. It's constantly challenging people to be like, wait, 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 listen past the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Give it a try, you know, and, like, because so you, you might, might do it find with the bridge. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch the bridge, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I, I love about it so much.
2: What you have, or what you've taught me uh, more than anyone is... Not to apologize mm. because you've taught me like when someone gives you a compliment, like listen, nod, take it in, and don't don't. It, the, you basically taught me that if you have privilege uh, or if you have certain gifts, like you should not do this thing where you try to like shun it away or pretend it's not there mm-hmm. or pretend it's some burden. You really need to like embrace yourself and and that to me is kind of. Grace, so uh, I, I'm so thankful that you've taught me that, and I'm just curious if you have any advice for for how to carry yourself. And and you've told me recently that you've been stopped
1: <laughs>
2: in public <laughs> with people who have told you that you have a distinctive ballon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my ballon is uh, thank you, Miss Susie, my ballet teacher <laughs> from fucking I don't even know sixth grade or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, well, my ballon is just something that God gifted me with. babe. <laughs> I didn't even know I had it until quite a few choreographers were like, in a nice way, just being like, you walk and hold yourself kind of like a gay fairy. And I'm like, <laughs> at first I was offended. And now I'm like, no, it's my strength. It's my <laughs> strength. And my, my ballet teacher said ballon, which is like the your like upness, your like bounce, like your yeah. ability to kind of like get back up on the floor or something like that. I don't I don't really know, but I think that's that's pretty much what it means. Um so that's that. Um <laughs> but um the grace thing. Oh, oh, oh. I think that we are in a world currently where people really want everyone to feel really guilty and i think dealing with guilt is a really hard thing to deal with because it's t- it's spotlighting something within yourself that you feel negatively about you right. feel bad that you thought this thing or you said this thing or you in you your emotions changed when this subject matter came up yes and i think that the best way to have grace and is to process your guilt in a way that is saying honestly I don't know that I need to carry this around. I can clock it and I can accept that it's there, okay. but I have to move on. Okay. I can't like sit in this place where I am paralyzed because I feel guilty about some some theme or like some existential thing yeah. that I'm just thinking about. It doesn't actually affect me my day to day, you know? And that to me has changed, I guess, what, you're saying is like a social grace and like a certain persona is I think that I'm, I'm not trying to feel bad about myself anymore. I'm just sort of being like, there are things that I fuck up and I mess up, but so do you (laughs) other person that I'm talking to. And so we all mess shit up. So why are we walking around with that baggage? Like you got to do that work at home and like do your homework and then live your life and like be gracious Amazing. Yeah.
2: Um, I want to talk about The Collective really quickly. So, yeah, let's talk about um, it. This summer you launched, basically, this is a queer network um, for creators, performers, artists of all sorts, where we can um, kind of post our information and then discover one another mm-hmm. and collaborate.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, and it's it's kind of available. You... you you register. I mean, can you kind of walk us through...
3: Yeah, totally. So so the idea behind it is, like, the collective shows us queer entertainers that maybe we knew, maybe we didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. But the idea is, like, once you show somebody someone... Especially, I don't know, for me, it was it came from the idea of being like, when I see a queer person, I immediately am sort of like there to support them or like follow them or like figure out what they're doing because yeah. I'm already inspired that a queer person has made it this far to yeah. where I'm hearing about them. So the idea behind the collective is that like it shows us queer entertainers in this business that we then support, and the more support they have, the more clout they hold. And the more clout they hold, the more money they're going to make, the more business they're going to get, and their commercial prospects are much greater because we, as a minority group, have decided we're backing this person. So it's really about visibility, and it's really about... It has so many functions and we're still, you know, we just launched it. We're, we're, we're still figuring out exactly what we do and what we do not do. Right. That was a great conversation I had with one of my friends, Kelly Weaver, who's an amazing marketing person. And she was like, this is the next step for you. So you're, you're, gra- you're, you're gathering, you know, you're gathering people. And the next step is figuring out how do you make this thing functional for people? So right now we're doing a lot of visibility. We're gathering members. You know, we're building the collective. Um, But the idea behind it is, like, use it at your discretion. Like, reach out to people that you're inspired by. Be like, I'm a poet who somehow wants to make a short film. Let me find the screenwriter. And, like, put my poetry on a different medium. That's what I want from people the most is, like, use it to be, like, I'm learning from this person who's at a different place in their career than I am, maybe. Yeah. And I'm going to, like, do that thing we all do in art, which is, like, see an idea that they're doing and be like, how can I make that my own and, like, figure it out in a different way?
2: And I also just think there's huge possibilities because, like, for my live show, I I was hiring a photographer and I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I should get a queer photographer. But who do I know? And then you start – and. This is – and then, like, I'm booking – I'm hosting a show in a few weeks that's a variety show. And one of the producers was like, we need a singer. Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of rack my brain, and I came up with a few ideas. But I think it's going to be so great of, like, you're kind of – we all – there's a big – there's a bigger and bigger queer artistic community every day. Mm -hmm. But you're going to basically make it easier for us to, like, cut through the chaff and be like – Okay, I do comedy. I don't really know a lot of people who, who do music. Oh, I kind of do know that person. That's that person on the collective. I'm going to reach out to them. And yeah, it's like great actors can – and and maybe graphic designers. Like it yes, can get bigger yeah. and bigger because yeah, – Absolutely. There are some talents that I do not have, period. And there are some that I have that I know other people don't. And like – Uh, you're basically helping us come together Mm -hmm.
3: a project that uh, any creative project requires multiple disciplines to like make it happen so you know if you're queer why not just like make the team queer it's gonna make you feel better you're not gonna feel judged and also it's going to like hit your community in the right way because all those minds are coming together and they're gonna make it somehow work for the queer community and then like if it Hits a, a heterosexual market, then those heterosexual people are being exposed to like queer mentality and queer art and queer ideas, which just makes the whole world queer which we want. Yeah. You know? Because it's more accepting. It's more like okay with weird differences and nuances.
2: Yeah. It's, you know, my, I had a straight male photographer at my first two <laughs> oh, <dear>. housing <laughs> work shows. I know. And some of them are good. This one, this one, it, not by measure of a straight or maleness, but. Anyways, Mm he—whatever. You know, our first two guests were two black women, and they made a comment to me where they were like, these pictures aren't going to turn out good because he doesn't know how to photograph us. Uh And I'm not saying that uh, any gay person would know how to photograph two black women, but there was just this aspect of like, oh, there's this thing, there's this skill Mm. that's needed here that comes from a certain level of awareness Mm -hmm. and a certain level of experience that you can't really put on paper. Mm -hmm. But that if I went to a space like The Collective, I'd be like— Who I need this person who gets it. Mm -hmm. This person likely gets it. And you and I were talking about, like, as you're getting ready to do music videos and you found someone who we love to direct, possibly. yeah. What mattered to you was this sense of, like, you don't need to worry, can I trust them? And you don't need to worry, like, do they get me? Yeah. And there is something to be said for that that can't... You can't really put that in a resume, mm-hmm. you know. That's just kind totally. of something you know it when you see it, and you're kind of helping create a, a smaller little agora
3: where we can all meet each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you brought up something really important. I'm I'm assuming it's from Sydney and Marie, yes. but like this idea is extremely influenced and inspired by the Black and Brown communities. They yes. know what they are doing in yes. terms of being like we uplift our own and we support our own and that is the most beautiful thing that I have ever witnessed in in this century yes. is like fuck yeah do your fucking thing i think that is fabulous and i just honestly don't think that queer people do it enough and and the reason i think correct me if i'm wrong i'm totally open to suggestions but i think the actual reason is we all have come from different backgrounds and we all have different identities. But we are lumped by the U.S. consensus into one category. So it makes us feel a little hesitant and a little bit like on edge. And I say, let's like subvert this idea that we can't be close. And let's like just do it. That's bringing more people together than would be otherwise because otherwise you're just an individual I guess or like you're just with gay men or you're just with lesbians or you're just with bisexual people and you feel even smaller than you were you know
1: so
2: I think there's kind of a there's a false notion of competition that I think white women and and white gays are still in that I think Mm -hmm. largely the black and brown community was, has realized is bullshit and they've gotten over. We haven't fully gotten over it. And Mm -hmm. this goes back to kind of the Sam Smith conversation, which is like, we still think we're all competing. Anyone. I think that has been my competition. If I have like given it a few months and looked back, I'm like, Oh my God, we don't do anything near the same thing. Absolutely. So, so yeah. and, And I, I could have served that person or they could have served me in a better way rather than like, this is my nemesis because we both, you know,
3: who cares? Yes, 100%. So
2: I'm I'm really excited. I think it has such fantastic, um, fantastic possibility. And Mm -hmm. I guess if you're listening and you don't. You don't do something traditional. You do something off the beaten path, even if you, like, make your own clothes. Join us. I say join because (laughs) we need... uh, There's a lot of people who you consider a big star are completely incapable and incompetent when it comes to things that are very easy to you. Yes. And they may need you more than they need someone who you think is like them.
3: Exactly. I would love...
2: I would love a lot of things. I would lo- you know, like my friend John does the graphic, does a lot. of, And my- and Greg Kozatek, for instance, my friend Greg Kozatek, who's amazing, he created all the art for this podcast. And it's so perfect. It's love. so what I wanted. I could never do it. I could never do
3: it. And I have no idea how to use a computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like. I'm so lucky that I knew him, but yeah. maybe I shouldn't have to be that lucky.
3: Yeah. I mean, yes. the the And just going back to what you said, just so we can plug it for sure. Like the way you submit is like, go to the collectivemedia.net. There's a submission page. You fill it out. I will get it. And I will like put you together and make a little profile for Obsessed. you. Yeah.
2: Um, so, okay. And the collective, I think will be at uh, the next luminary show, which is on Thursday. So, um, yes. Hazy time and Flip are on Spotify. Yes. And we're going to have a little preview of another song after this. And I'm just, where else can people be following you?
3: You can follow me online on Instagram at Pat underscore Titty. It's been with me since college and I just don't, feel like I can change no, it. Um, it's just a name I hear in the streets now, you know, so <laughs> I want to keep it. Um, and uh, yeah, find me there and you'll find everything else from, you know, stemmed up from there. Um, but yeah.
2: Okay. Um, I love you with all my heart. I'm so, so happy we got to do this. I hope we can do it again.
3: Absolutely. I hope we can do it again, too. We'll update. We'll see where we are in life. I next know. Time, it's just right? going to get bigger and better. I yeah.
2: Think. Right. Um, please stick around because after this, we're going to have an exclusive preview of a new single from Pat Riley. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Last night, woke up and the world was mine. It was different cause the difference was I sat on the throne, all on my own, do this kingdom all alone. Oh. Yeah, I knew you'd come back begging, ask me for a sentence, but I don't know that I can forgive. After all the things you said and you did Then you didn't want it, baby Why do I have to let go? When I was having the most Sympathy you did not show I'm a a on a roll the judge on the mission Here's my decision Fuck all up with that Stop it, baby This is some embarrassing shit You look like a baby Talk like a daddy But I am the one with the dick Girl, I you come back begging ask me for a centime, But I don't know that I can forgive After all the things you said and you did Then you didn't want Why do I have to let go? When I was hurting the most, sympathy you did not show. I'm on a roll. A judge on a mission. Here's my decision. Fuck them all, I'm with their head. shouldn't treat me like that, why did you treat me like that, I will exact my revenge on your ass, watch your back, never feel the moon, let so. this move to my groove, so. never sleep like that.